So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast and a couple of big games on the weekend. Super Rugby AU, Super Rugby Aotearoa. As always, we'll be breaking it all down for you. I've got Toby and Leo in here to help me. And we'll start on Friday night. And really in Super Rugby AU, it was really a big contrast between the Friday and the Saturday game. But in Friday night in Perth, HBF Park, the Rebels get their first win of the season, 10 points to 7 bit of a messy um, low scoring game had some controversy lights went out for about 15 minutes and players were standing around wondering if we were going to get an end to this game or not the force fans didn't mind they were going nuts but unfortunately even with the help of a red card the force couldn't pull this one out that might have been the most exciting bit of this game like the the what's going to happen what's going to happen is are they really going to make a call and and just end this game if if it takes too long um, which obviously would have been terrible, but it's kind of building a lot of um, excitement in in one sense. But yeah, the very odd game. The Rebels went from being, you know, previous weeks, the, the penalty takers, just take the three, take the three, accumulate, stay in the game, stay in the game. And all of a sudden were just hell-bent on scoring tries. And ultimately they did, and they couldn't kick anything. They scored two tries, no conversions, no penalties. Mm. But... Like to to finish the game ten seven with the number of opportunities they had in front of the posts, um, the commentators uh, said after the game, oh you know I could see why they went for the line because they weren't um, they weren't in great position on those penalties. It's like that that is a flat out lie. <laughs> they were in front multiple times, and who cares? You got Tamua kicking like a a whiz in previous weeks. It was very late in the game they actually started having a shot and just. It, it just proved what a stupid tactic it was. They just went went all in on trying to score tries, which they hadn't been able to do. They managed to get two, luckily, and barely scraped the game. Mm. And obviously, like, it's two slim losses for them and now a slim win and probably unconvincing overall. Um, but this this red card as well nearly derailed the game, didn't it? Did, did you guys think that was actually a red card? Yeah, I think it was a pretty much straight shot to the head like Ross Haylett Petty was never low enough it was I think the ref even said it. he's like oh it's the same as last week guys it's yeah. like that Alilatoa um, red card he's like he's never got That's low right. enough yeah and it's, and, just, and it's, it's frustrating right. it's with the right these call. calls though yeah yeah but it's, it's the only way to, it's the only way to rub that sort of stuff out you you've got to teach guys to aim lower and give yourself room to to err and that room to err can't be a guy's nose like you need to be right down and the tall locks are always going to be a bit more um, hard pressed to, to get that mm. lower body height. But you know, how many tackles are there in a game and it's one out of 200 or something that, that comes up high. It's obviously achievable. They need to just try harder. Do, do we think the instance of these types of tackles happening is, is pretty much the same for the last decade or so, but the way they're refereeing it now is, is far different and they're a lot harsher on it. Is that what we're seeing? Yeah. I'd say that. Yeah, yeah, I think it didn't used to be an automatic red. You'd say, oh, that's a yellow. You've, you know, you've, you've yellow hit him high. And they'd say, oh, it wasn't too hard. Like, you know, and he's okay. Yeah. Like, it's all about the result in the past. Like, the guy gets up well, the or force you know, can keep playing. And it wasn't an automatic concussion sub. So, yeah, I, I think there were lots of ways they talked themselves out of doing anything more serious because they're worried about the impact on the game for a red. And obviously, the red this year is a bit different anyway. But this new you know the new way of things player safety comes first and so i have no issue with it and i think you need to be strong and consistent on it in order to teach them that this is unacceptable make them change their behavior and just quickly i think sorry arch just quickly i think in terms of the way it's being refereed i even saw in the the other game the brumbies reds game with uh, nick berry actually saying oh he slipped into that one um on a certain tackle that caught a player high so I think it's just the interpretation of that, and if a player is actually dropping his body height, mm. the ball carrier, 
dropping his body height into the tackle the last second, you know, that should be taken into consideration. Yeah, and we, we heard um, Rugby Heaven had Angus Gardner on at the start of the year and he was saying that the referees would be given more leeway to sort of um, have a level of interpretation with that and go with a sort of gut a little bit more with that those decisions on the field. In terms of this game, I think we can all agree the force did not play well. Um, there were a few sparkles, like right at the end, getting that try, that was a great sort of set piece to get together to get Jack McGregor over the line. I think, Leo, you called it when he came on the field. You're like, this, Jack McGregor's going to break out at some point um, for this yeah. stuff, and he looked pretty good there. And we saw the difference with Ian Pryor on the field marshalling his men around. The biggest thing I think that the force lacked was consistent sort of kicking for the line and goal kicking as well. Um, I don't know, everyone was trying to do banana kicks in this game and it really kept annoying me because not one of them actually came off. Um, They looked like schoolboys, didn't they? They're just like, everyone's doing it, so I'm going to have a go. And none of it was well executed. It was sloppy and they went too deep. Um, Was... um, McIntyre went too deep and yeah. Carney went short and the Rebels were a bit the same. So Yeah. And, it just and, looked, it was an amateurish, amateurish what, kind of game. And what made it worse was the line-out throwing on both sides was absolutely oh. horrible as well. So no one could get the line-out and everyone kept kicking the ball out. So it was just, it was not good watching. So it wasn't a great spectacle yeah. of rugby really. And so that was James Hansen good... threw that many balls out the back of the line out. Like it was like five in a row. Yeah. And it was just no set piece consistency at all. It was the the shining lights in this game were few and far between. You had Corabiti turning Ralston round in circles, no idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh Corabiti excellent. And setting um, up that I... try for Powell as well. He was just a rocket yeah. on the inside. Brilliant, brilliant by Corabiti. Um <laughs> Elof, our um our new favourite barnstorming prop. Um, he looked great. Like again, just hard nosed, direct, physical. Um, did you see his interview? No, I didn't. He's very funny. He's Is a he? funny oh, guy. I have to keep an eye out. Like he's from Pretoria, so quite a thick accent. He's only twenty one, I think. He's twenty two. Yeah, over, he's super young. Twenty two. Came over to Melbourne when he was like eighteen. Yeah. Um, and he's developed from there, but obviously a big boy for his age, and yeah, just a funny character when he got interviewed as well. So. It's a good story, I think, and you know who knows if he does get residency here, could be a prospect for the Wallabies going forward. Mm. He he absolutely wrecked ex Wallaby Tom Robertson, yeah. like wrecked him. He melted him, <laughs> as is the as is the new favourite term. Um, yeah, so there there are a few players. Anderson for the Rebels was, wasn't taking any of the business from Carney. He, he looked good again, um, but yeah, there was a lot of just. Yeah, hapless, hapless play and, you know, stuff, the set piece, it should be a lot better. It's saying that they'll spend hours at training um, working on it and it just none of it came together for either team. We talk about the Rebels playing down or playing up to their opposition. They yeah. just seem to, you know, that's why they're close wins and losses because they can only play in the vicinity of their opponent and with the force having a bad game. Not a good advertisement for rugby in Australia but thankfully the the better of the two games is on Saturday night well let's get to this game because we were discussing it just before we started recording is this the best um, Australian derby we've ever seen in super rugby it's pretty good and it's like it's got all the points it's got all the personalities Um, it's a it's a you know it's it's a storyline early on like you've got the the former well the, the underdogs the the losers from last year's final coming back to the Brumbies' house. The Brumbies on a massive home streak. The Brumbies looking undefeatable to pretty much every other team. Um, you know, only the diehard Reds fans really tipping them for a chance. And and this is the week, of course, that I didn't tip them. Um, like it, and it just went sort of back and forth. It took the Reds a while to actually get into the lead, but yeah. they were there. Well, they were seventeen nil down after seventeen yeah. minutes. And then you saw, like, the Reds get a little bit of a roll on, and then you're like, oh, they're going to come back, and then the Brumbies just start coming back. And then it just went back and forth. It was just teetering on a knife edge for so long. And I think really what ended up changing it was um, the Brumbies copped a few injuries in the front row. That's gone on top of Alatoa's suspension, plus Slipper's injury. So suddenly they were down to their third-string props, and then the Red scrum just became an absolute weapon of them. Um, for the Reds to just make their way downfield and they sort of 
didn't take a backward step after that almost. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And I don't think we should understate, though, the Reds' mental strength staying in that game for as long as they did, not just falling off at 17-0 and, and trying something different. Like, they're stuck to their plan well, and they clawed their way back in and the Brumbies, I think, just maybe weren't weren't really, you know... <laughs> weren't really they weren't sure what they were looking at. Well, they're just like, hang, yeah. hang on, they're still, they're still they're in still and around and we're now losing ground. So yeah, well, that was a really cool showing from the Reds. Let, let's talk about James O'Connor because I think that's who you mean when you're talking about the resolve of the Reds in this game. And he was being... I think it was most of the calls he was um, making in terms of k- kicking for goal and things were getting criticised by the commentator, uh, mm. by the commentators. Um, in this game, and they thought, "Oh no, he's taking points again." Oh, he's going, he's he's not. He took going two for the penalties try. when they were seventeen nil, didn't he? Like yep. he kicked back yep. to seventeen six. Yep. Took another yeah, one later the when they were down by eight. Yeah, that's yeah. right. In the yeah, he took one in the last five minutes when they were down by eight, and everyone was saying, "You've made a terrible decision." Oh, this isn't the right call. And then they're all leading their words. Come eighty minutes when the Reds are suddenly back in front and they're like oh he's just a mastermind he's just curated this perfectly and <laughs> i mean it's it's interesting to hear someone flip their script so quickly as tim horan did in this game when he's suddenly all about yeah. james connor and queensland um resolve in this game it's... i think it was led by their defense though in the first half when they were able to kind of stifle the brumbies after that point scoring run and then obviously like you said arch the the set piece in particular, the scrum in the second half was just so dominant. And obviously that's led by Taniela Tupo, um, who's looking great. He got a try for his his efforts during the game as well. And yep. the Reds are... 80 minutes I on just the think field. the Reds are... Yeah, they, I mean, Taniela's just playing. Yeah, he's playing 80 minutes week to week, um, looking as good as ever. And I think the Reds just have a next level to go to now in terms of point scoring ability. Their breakouts like Siruru, late run in this game, you know, almost set up that last opportunity in the game for them to score. And I don't know, it's just, it feels like they've got an extra gear to go to. And we talked about firepower last last week on the pod. And I probably stand by that in terms of the Reds, I think, still have more firepower, out and out firepower than the Brumbies. Um, and I think it showed in this game, just the efforts of, of some of these players are just incredible i think jock campbell leo that's probably one that you've called out a few times he had a great kind of second half in this game plenty of good runs but it's hard to fold anyone in this team really i think they played really well as a unit i think again their cohesion is building and even though salibu navalu isn't quite at his best yet i think there's 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 kind of bright spots there there as well there's promise yeah yeah, they spent a bit of time talking to him. I think, did they talk to him either at halftime or maybe after the game? At the end of the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, like, they, so they the comment is they've got, you know, he's you know he's coming come a long way, but he's still got a lot to learn. And I think when they say that, what they mean is, like, you may have played rugby union before. Some of the rules have changed. You know, it's, it's probably, it's, it's understanding how those are interpreted on the field and where you need to position yourself and then also everything happening at that high level, which you haven't played at in rugby union previously. Um, they had to just sidetrack the, um, the offsiders program on ABC on Sunday. They had Roy masters, the rugby league diehard on the panel talking to um, our mate, um, Jamie Panoram on, on the panel and Roy masters was straight into him. Oh, do rugby players need an IQ of 130. They all have to be geniuses if they don't understand the game. Is that what they're saying about Suliasi? And he's like, no, Roy, no. Not going to give you a headline here, you old bogan. Um, <laughs> so, like, he's got a lot to learn. But think about, he, he had a few errors. Jordan Patea didn't have a good game until he turned into a snake and wrapped himself around a post and put two hands on that ball. Oh, but so when we talk about firepower and potential, like you've still got those two really to to unlock, and you add that to what we saw, and yeah, I mean that if they can put forty and potentially more on the Brumbies, mm. sky's the limit. Yeah, I agree, and I think Dalgunu was he was good on the other wing, quite busy. Um, Jock Campbell, as we say, and Hunter Paisami, another good game from him, looking yep. really poised. They Great s- combination there with Jock, and then obviously yeah. Tate McDermott is. He's a, he had a good game as well, so 
They talked yeah. to yeah. James O'Connor at the end and they asked whose decision it was at the end there and Hunter is the one who made the call to say, no, we should do the grubber through. And he, he was confident yeah. enough in his own ability <laughs> and that it would work and he made that call. Cool. So that's that's a lot of confidence from a very young player um, playing in a big moment. Obviously, like the experience he's had in this last 12 months, he's grown mm. a lot in his confidence there. Mm. Yeah, and and kind of showing those skills like Simone would have, you know? Yeah. Mm. So I think our centres at the moment are looking as, you know, their level of ball skills and, and their all-round game is looking as strong as ever. And suddenly we've got a couple of combinations to be looking out for the Wallabies. Well, that's it. These 12-13 against each other, they're just showing off a lot of skills. And you're right there, like, Patea needs to wipe the butter off his hands because he, he can't hold on to a ball at the moment. Um, it seems like he's just too intent on trying to break that first tackle and make an impact when he sort of goes into contact. But I think they're targeting him now. He actually had the ball punched out this mm, week, and I don't know if it's completely he's intentional. Onto it. I, I think there would definitely be a tactic now because he's shown that he's, he's either looking for an offload, which means the carry isn't as strong as it could be, or it is just loose carries just generally because mm. he, he does quite like hold his arms quite wide when he runs because he's just a very kind of – he's quite rangy and he's a powerful runner. And I think that's now something they can focus on with him. And he needs to you know, you know maybe just um, be a little bit more conservative and just you know erase that, um, that focus because it can't be a weakness. That when you've got someone as good as Lenny Kitao now opposite and you're trying to – Grasp a Wallabies jersey later this year. Yeah, that you, you don't you need that, that knock on you. Yeah, you need the storyline needs to be that that was a problem and you fixed it, not that you were incapable of fixing it. Because um, we want to see more out of Jordan Patea, but I'll tell you what, there's there's a lot of competition around now, which is excellent. Yeah, and not just there, we saw two firing back rows here as well. The likes of Rob Valentini had another stellar game here, Huge. pretty much. Pete Samu, the two early tries out out wide shows he's sort of agile and sort of. Um, ability to tiptoe in the line um, off some good sort of passing from the likes of Nick White and Muirhead as well. Um, and you've got a couple of big locks there. And Toby already mentioned Uru sort of coming on late and making an impact. Lucan's back into the um, squad in this and had quite a good game as well. Um, and the likes of Darcy Swain and Caden Neville aren't taking a backward step either. It's just yeah, a great advertisement for advertisement for Australian rugby. I think so, and just building the depth and guys that perhaps we couldn't rely on last year, I think, are now showing that they're getting closer and closer to being ready to for a Wallaby's berth. Yeah. Um, and look, I think you can break the news later on or now, Arch, in terms of Isaac Rodder coming back. I think that's um, a huge coup that's for right. Australian rugby as well. Absolutely, yeah. So just announcing that he's re-signed, not back with the Reds, not with the Waratahs, as was previously said. Um, he's signing with the Force, and they've obviously dished out a bit of money to get him um, over there in Perth, but sounds like he's excited to be back in Australian rugby, and he's been um, drinking the Kool-Aid down there in Perth that this team <laughs> is this team is going somewhere, and they've got really high aims um, this year and, and following years sort of in Super Rugby to be contenders. Now we, now we just need Skelton and um, Harry Hawkins back, and we'll be, we'll be pretty happy. <laughs> I'll Wouldn't take, that be some stocks? I'll take a skeleton or an Arnold, really. That'd be great for us. Yeah. Right so, going across the ditch, that game ended 40-38, to 38, but both games in New Zealand ended 39-17. to 17. So, first on Saturday evening, the Crusaders uh, beating up the Chiefs and then the Blues taking down the Highlanders in Auckland as well. Um, both games marred a little bit by TMO controversy, forward pass um, in the Blues game that declined sort of the Awani brothers a, a try set up between them, um, Akira throwing one inside to Rico after a, a insane run down the wing, um, and the Crusaders, after the Chiefs sort of started early and gave them a little bit of run for their money, um, they were starting to come back and it was helped by uh, a missed sort of forward um, knock-on by Moanga that ended up leading to a penalty try and a yellow card to Brad Weber for the Chiefs that really allowed the Crusaders to get some momentum in this game too. Yeah, it's just another tale of woe for the Chiefs, isn't it? Like, even when they play well, the the ball, the bounce of the ball doesn't go their way. The 50-50 calls 
don't go their way and even these things that shouldn't be a 50-50 call don't go their way. So a lot of, what is it, 12 losses on the trot now for the Chiefs? I believe so, yeah. They're now leading the record. Yeah, so that's that's an unhappy time for them. But I guess, you know, they have faced the stiffest of opposition now in the Crusaders, so (laughs) only the Blues to go, I guess. Um, again, it just these two games reinforce the two tiers, like in Australian rugby. I, I believe we have like the elite and the not so elite, and the Blues and the Crusaders are They're super just, elite. Uh, yeah, just, you know, across the pack, they've got pretty much they they could probably play most of their fifteen for eighty minutes, and they have then the luxury of bringing on depth as needed. Saying that the Reds, you know, they they used a lot of their guys in in the Brumbies game for more minutes than maybe they thought, but they. They had the momentum, things were working, and those guys were capable of playing 80. The Crusaders and the Blues, they just look on a high, and they can play whoever they want for as long as they want and not seem to be too troubled um, and depth where they need it on the bench. The Blues, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they copped a little bit of flack from the Highlanders pre-game. They were sort of referring to them as pretty much a South African team sort of just relying on their big forwards and a kicking game. Um, and it seemed to sort of stir up the Blues a little bit because they really showed just how free-flowing they can be and how dynamic and out wide. And it wasn't just... Like modern that, South Africa? Like exactly, like, World Cup, of, yeah. like World Cup winning what South Africa. What are we Africa? talking? Because like, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to play like that as well. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I guess they showed it because they had, like I already mentioned, Akiri one in Hoskins Satutu. Like, they were showing some serious pace in this game, breaking through the Highlanders' defence and just outpacing a lot of the backs there. So, I mean, the Blues are looking like a championship-level team. I guess I guess the real question is um, next week when they come up against the Crusaders. Is that one in Christchurch? No, it's in Auckland. <laughs> nice, nice way around to have it, to try and beat them at home and be- beat them at your home and then... Well, this potentially... is the fixture that didn't happen last year. Supposed to be the last yeah, true. competition. They didn't. We didn't get it. We didn't get to see what we wanted. Yeah. And I mean, the Blues look so. better. They look like a better team than last year. The Crusaders look as good as ever. I think it's it's set for fireworks. Can't wait. So we'll we'll get into a little bit more about the Blues Crusaders, but the first game of the Super Rugby Aotearoa next weekend is the Hurricanes Chiefs, and this is probably now looking like the Chiefs' best chance at winning a game in this competition. Um, at the moment and I mean I say that like take it with a pinch of salt I think the Chiefs have actually played quite well in both their games I think it was a result of first round sort of jitters capitulating a little bit to lose to the Highlanders in a crazy um, Jonah Nareki performance and then versus the Crusaders they were well in that match and very competitive I think they more than sort of have what it takes to come up and probably beat a Hurricanes team who are now suffering with injuries that are looking to deplete their sort of stocks at 10, um, with both their 10s likely to be out. Connor, uh, not Connor, Jackson Garden Bishop, um has an Achilles niggle that they're thinking has ruled him out, and they've sort of been now searching because they don't apparently want to move Geordie into 10 um, and out of his preferred fullback role, but they don't actually have another um, fly half in the squad. You think it's a move they're going to have to make? Like, you, yeah, you, you got a, again a Chiefs team that I agree, Arch. I, I don't think have been um, that bad to to have got been on this loss streak. Um, you, you've got to take it by the scruff and and try and um, you know beat them from the inside out. And Geordie Geordie at fullback versus Geordie at ten. I mean, to me, it's a no brainer. It's just something you have to cop this week if you're a man down yeah I'm struggling to think of anyone else that could step into that role um Julian Severe anyone <laughs> see how he goes <laughs> just first receiver um, hit ups yeah exactly very league style I think Probably um, Artie actually Artie over Julian yeah he's got the ball skills I think it's going to be it's difficult with them when they've lost TJ obviously for yeah, this year yeah he'd be someone they probably would put into it wouldn't they mm. Mm, they're just they're a bit thin on the playmaking stocks with plenty of talent outside, obviously. But I think that I'm almost... I'd be tempted to be looking at the Chiefs here very closely because I think I agree with you, Arch. I don't think they were that bad against the Crusaders. I think it's very hard when the Crusaders are that methodical in what they do and 
and the Chiefs are just broken down methodically mm. over time by the Crusaders. So I think that it's it's probably going to be a relatively tight match. I think the Canes will struggle for direction. They might just have to keep it tight in the forwards and, and rely on that because obviously the Chiefs have some explosion, like explosive backs out wide. Yeah, so we saw Nanai Satoru get a try late um, versus the Crusaders, and he he's showed a, now in both their games that he has a, the that X factor and some of that electric um, footwork. You have the likes of Sean Wino, who actually looks like he's um, slotting into that 13 role reasonably well for them as well. And Damien McKenzie is starting to look as elusive sort of as ever. Sorry, I just realised we didn't actually address um, that Lester Fainanuku try um, from the Crusaders that was just like talk about acrobatics. I thought literally we'd I'd flipped over to the gymnastics or something when I turned it on. Like I know we have league wingers in Australia that do some of this stuff, but that was just next level. I don't know how he survived what was a pretty good cover tackle from Damian McKenzie to fling an arm in and, and get that ball down. Try to be one of the best finishes I've seen in Super Rugby. Because you would have, his leg just looked like it was going to hit the ground, and he just comes back and up. And then that's only yeah, it's just flying and bang. I was I was looking at the side. I was like, oh, that's on the ground, and then it like moves again. You're like, oh no, actually, that's still like six inches off mm-hmm. the ground, and then it, and then he somehow moves it further off the ground. I don't know how he did it. More Crusaders magic, um, mate. They just can find a winger anyway, can't they? That's it. They yeah. I don't know what they put in the water down there in Canterbury, but. <laughs> I mean, it's working. Nothing else works down there, just the rugby. <laughs> um, anyway, getting back to getting back to this week, Hurricanes Chiefs. It is in Wellington. It's down there at the Cake Tin. Is there any thought of anyone feeling like they they take the Hurricanes at home, or have I convinced you all now to take the Chiefs, the the Chiefs who haven't won a game in, and could be the most losing us team in Super Rugby New Zealand history if they hit 12. They're tied with the Highlanders right now at 11. I think, though, I think the Chiefs will win. I think the desperation is there. As long as they're not too down on confidence. From what I saw against the Crusaders, I think they've still got a fair bit of spark there. I think having Damian McKenzie in the side, I don't think they're going to die trying. Like they're going to they're gonna go all out. Yeah, I think they'll have to. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to get a win. Obviously, we've underestimated maybe the Highlanders a little bit. They're probably better than we expected. Um, and the the Hurricanes are probably, would we say neck and neck with the Highlanders? Maybe slightly worse. I don't know. It's tough to call, really. Um, Hurricanes, as we say, they're a bit inconsistent in their play. I think the, I, the Highlanders as a team, I think, are better. Yeah. Individually, maybe they don't stack up, but the Highlanders just, mm. they play like with a better culture, with a better ethos, I guess. I just they think... look more settled yeah. than the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes yeah. are in this transition season, and now with injuries, they're suffering more change, and the Highlanders look like they've, they've found their lineup. And as long as they stay healthy, I think, like you said, they're a better outfit. So I guess for me in this game, depending on what the Hurricanes choose to do, if they put Geordie at ten and what they the rest of the back line they assemble looks looks okay, I'm still inclined to tip them very narrowly. Very narrowly, but um, it is very hard to think like the Chiefs have got to break this streak at some point, and I agree that this is probably their best opportunity. So. It's going to come down to lineups for me, but Geordie at ten and a and a good back line. I, I don't think they're, I don't think it's a giveaway. I don't think the cake tin is notoriously a terrible place to play either. In terms of, I don't think the Hurricanes don't traditionally have strong crowds there. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure it, will, it actually might take the pressure off not being at home for the Chiefs. So yeah, I think I'm inclined to tip them by a couple of points. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with you as well, Toads. The Chiefs there. Now this is the hard one. Is anyone willing to go the Blues over the Crusaders? Nope. Are, are you throwing your money away if you ever tip against the Crusaders? Is that what we always say? Oh, you are. It's, I mean, this home? would be the... Again, I think this would be the week to do it. Yeah. If you were going to. Does anyone, like, anyone want to know... Is the know... Crusaders having a perfect season if they win this game? Does anyone want to guess how many times the Blues have beat the Crusaders in their last 
17 meetings? Zero. Once. Or you've gone back to when they last won, and so it's one. No, I've gone back further than that. They 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 have won twice in the last 17. So, I mean, okay. it it has been seven years, though, since they've beaten the so, Crusaders. I, I think this is the week I think they can win. I think the Crusaders, really? like, will rare, like, perfect seasons are hard, and I think this is the one that's going to be too hard. So... I think it's close, I think it's high scoring, and I think the Blues can win. I Give me the Crusaders. Will. Scotty <laughs> Robertson, he would have he would have targeted this game, I think. Do you reckon he's got something up his sleeve? Through their starting lineup as well. I think they'll they'll obviously put out their full strength team for this one. I think they um, put out their full strength team last week pretty much. Maybe Joe is Moody. Is Dallas McLeod or... injured? No, he was on the bench. So they moved Havili into 12. Oh, that's strange. I, think I don't okay. see him as a 12 at all. I think they just want him well, on the field, man. Injuries. They want yeah, him he's really and good. Will Jordan yeah, both on the field. But it just shows you Will Jordan is the priority to be playing him in his, his favourite yeah. position. Yeah, that's right. And Havili's just can make up the numbers as, as a veteran. He can He's flexible. He can slot in. Which is really... <laughs> I can't believe that he's considered like... The veteran older player. I mean, in relation to Will Jordan, he's he twenty six or something. He's like he'd be a yeah. superstar in any team in Australia yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the the key to this game, like Moanga, is just such a freak. The conversation this week has been that he's just put to bed any of this New Zealand's best ten stuff the last few years. It's it's over. Moanga is clearly the best ten. He is super elite. He is not matched by anyone else in the competition or probably the Australian competition, or probably I can't think of another competition that has a Moanga in it. So you shut him down somehow, you get him off his game, you keep him contained, that's that's your chance. Every In every other aspect, the Blues can match and, and probably can outdo the Crusaders, mm. but they don't have a Moanga, so they need to shut down their Moanga. This could be a classic case of me valuing cohesion in the Crusaders over firepower of the blues similar to what the brumbies and reds um yeah absolutely you know brumbies sort of think all right more experience probably more cohesion at home winning streak you know i mean the blues obviously don't have that streak but you know this is kind of i think their opportunity almost like you say if it was in crusader land i think it would be it wouldn't i wouldn't be tipping them not, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I wouldn't. The cohesion versus firepower, and 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 the team that's probably more up and coming than the Crusaders, who are the, you know, the, elite, the, target, yeah. the target on their chest. Yeah, but fascinating game, and I mean, I hope it is high scoring, but you just don't know how these ones are going to play out. Like both teams have good defense, so yeah, yeah, it could be relatively low scoring, possibly and tight. Definitely tight. But I think I'm I'm think I'm gonna take this chance to bet against the Crusaders. Doesn't you don't get these chances often in life, guys. You gotta you gotta take wow. them and grab them with Chiefs both hands. North Island <laughs> pride, mate, North Island. Um let's go over to Super Rugby AU and unfortunately compared to what we've seen, it's it's only gonna be a little bit um less enticing this week after that Brumbies Reds match, but the Rebels, they get their first home game of the season in round five, back down in Amy Park, and they're hosting the Waratahs, fresh off that bye. And this this is a game that we thought at the start of the year was going to um, potentially be like Battle of the Wooden Spoon sort of thing. Um, and, it, and it's not? Well, no, because the Rebels, it... the Rebels are beating the Force, isn't it? So. Yeah, but the Force have won a game against the Waratahs. So it, exactly. Well, so a three-way tie. Is, it, is it already decided that the oh, Tars the just Waratahs don't have a chance here? No, this is this is the game where the Waratahs obviously also desperate for a win. And I still think there's there's room for them to upset the Rebels. I, which Rebels are we going to get? The, the one that's determined to score tries and can't, or the one that goes and chips penalties away and also doesn't score tries. The Waratahs have a bit more capacity to, to put a try on. Um I think the Waratahs are the worst team, and I think they lose this game, but it only takes a win here in, in Melbourne for it to be a three-way tie at the mm. bottom of the ladder, right? One win each. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think the Rebels probably have it 
I think the Waratahs will probably beat the Rebels when they come to Sydney. Um, so, yeah, it's probably going to be a while for the Waratahs before they get off the bottom of the table, if they do. Waratahs really need to find something here, don't they? They, you know, Rob Penny's going to be under massive find? pressure. Like, where where are they going to find a spark here? Like, where can you see it coming from? I just can't see... I think see... their forward pack just needs to, to really... To be better step players. Up. Be dominant. They do have a great back row. It's very camp. difficult when the the Rebels have been such a, a hard nosed press defense. That's where they've stayed in games and pressured the good teams, as they've been really, you know, fierce in rushing up and really physical, and definitely been playing that first twenty minutes. This is this is what the Rebels force game looked like. The tw- first twenty minutes, the Rebels had all the ball. They looked like they were going to score. They didn't get there in that period. There was nil, nil all for ages. But um, they, they brought that intensity in the first 20, and their aim was to blow the force off the park. And they ended up scraping through for the win. This is, this is the same except the Waratahs need to do that to the Rebels. The Rebels have shown massive intensity in the first 20 minutes. The Waratahs need to match that intensity, find it in themselves one-on-one to put on the big hits and keep their structure and contain... The rebels who aren't a great attacking force, we know. So you just you you bludgeon them and you get through that twenty minutes, and then I think the Waratahs have the the breakout guys around. They've just got to find mm. some form, and and they need to pick a few more uh, opportunities to you know run some guys around the ruck, get the you know, the Maddox or the Nwanganithawasi sort of inside balls. Someone's got to adopt this this these tactics that the Brumbies have used to great effect. Um, it's still the way through it's what'll get them a try. And, and that's how they win this game. I think they, they survive that 20 minutes. They've matched the, the rebels in force and then they just go to work trying to put the yeah. tries on. I think, I think you will see a reasonable improvement with the bye week. I think they will have worked on some things and they'll come out with a bit more fire. I just don't see them being able to beat this rebels enough. team. Yeah. I just don't see, see them doing it this week. I wouldn't yeah. expect the Rebels to have, you know, a huge crowd down at Amy Park. We've been down there, Arch. It's kind of a weird place to play, a bit of a weird vibe. Um, and I don't think it'll be hugely packed out there for this one. But the Rebels have, I think, a vastly superior team in terms of experience with guys like, you know, even Michael Wells, Haylett Petty's pretty experienced, James Hansen, Haylett and Petty Joe won't Bauer, be there, Matt mate. Ross. Oh, sorry, he's red carded. Three weeks well, out. Disregarding him, Joe Powell, Matsumura, Reese Hodge, yeah. Corabiti, there's plenty of experience there. I think the Rebels will play the Waratahs out of the game. Um, you know, hopefully they're not too comfortable being back at home and had too much of a relaxed week because I think the Waratahs will come out firing, but if they weather that storm, I think the Rebels will be too good for them. I think something we, we didn't mention in the recap. But Archie and I talked about during the Force Rebels game. Where is Joe Powell? Like his presence in that game was a passing machine. He rocked up to the base of each ruck. They got quick ball, and he smashed it onto the chest of the guy who needed it, and that was it. I mean, that's excellent. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where, the halfback job, right? That is, but Joe Powell he, is he better doesn't than have the average a, halfback, right? He has a running game, but he's never. It's never been the strength of his game. That's you true, know, but I, we are not even seeing it. So it's he's it, very he's not varying up his game enough. I would say, I would and I don't know if that's you. by design. But the even if it's not that effective, when you don't even try it, it's then not a consideration for the defense. They don't have to focus anyone on that potential attack. So they need to get more. They need to do more with him because he's a better player than he was last week. He was excellent as a scrum half, getting quick ball out. There's other guys in the backs and the and the forward runners that need to do more outside him, but he can he can be more of a threat around the ruck. He can be more of a threat around a quick tap, and they just haven't unlocked that in him. And if that happens, I worry for the Waratahs. I think this could be a home blowout for the Rebels. You do you realize though when you said that last week it was about two minutes later that he scored that try off as a supporting runner, which was yeah. great. But again, he didn't he didn't initiate that. Tell you who I tell you, I'd argue has been very um, inconsequential and a bit invisible for the Rebels, and that's Reese Hodge in general play. Mm, I haven't yeah. seen a whole lot of him um, in that terms of any. Yeah, the whole backline, the whole backline has yeah. been. Meh. 
It's yeah. literally Corradini and no one else. That's right. Reese Hodge needs space. Yeah. He's best fullback. We know that. You you guys were talking down Pincus as well. Maybe it's better to put Hodge back. I, I was just watching and I was just like, Pincus is not up to the standard that yeah. you need to be to be a Super Rugby 15. But we but we think that that's because they're not putting Hodge there yeah. to then displace him if DHP comes back. But how long is DHP going to be out? Yeah. Come on, it's five rounds now. How long is a piece of string? So as long as he, DHP's he looks like he looks a bit lively, like he's got some decent footwork and stuff. But then who do you Anderson put in at twelve? Good. I don't know. I don't know who they have mm. to actually fill in in the centres. Illy's so inexperienced. So I mean, it'd be real nice if you had English? Tom oh, English no. still. Billy Meeks on oh, no. a camel yeah. magnet on oh, no. Remember all those guys they had when they had like ten centers in the team. That we could just move to Murray and put Quaid in. Oh. <laughs> oh wait, no, they still have Deegan. Right? Oh no, they don't have Deegan either way. Let's put Frank Lamani in at twelve. He's apparently anyway. <laughs> what happened yes. to um um the other scrum half? Where did he go? Tuttle last year. No, no, Tuttle's the South guy. Lawrence. I think he went yeah, to he? Japan. Oh man. It's disappointing it's when they gone from like too much depth, they... good guys not even making the twenty three, and now everyone they can't get Hodge into a position they prefer. Yeah, they we don't have depth, fight. but we they still can't play people at their three. preferred position. But if they lose, say if they lose to Moore Hodge, guys like that, suddenly they're pretty much a Waratahs team with very little experience, very little direction. Um, so I think they're only a couple of years off that. Maybe they're making the transition now early enough. Mm-hmm. That guys that have kind of they need game time are actually going to get that by the time people like to actually leave the rebels mm. but it's not like they're giving anyone else a go at 10 like they're never taking Tamua off the field or anything right. they need him i mean to be fair they need him even though we always want to see him at 12 we talked about it a million times if they take him off they really will struggle for direction yeah. in that back yeah. line they can't do it Let's go to the other game, and that's Saturday night, and that's the Reds back at Suncorp hosting the Force, coming off that disappointing loss in Perth. The Reds obviously high, a massive sort of boost for them, whether they're, whether they're really focused for this game after probably celebrating a fair bit of this week. Um, do you think it's possible that all the Reds come out a bit flat and they get taken a bit surprised by a Force team? Trap game, I think, for sure. Um, but I think they'll be too good. I think even if they do start slow, um, the quality's there. I think they'll be too good for a Western Force team that, you know, I did say it last week, if they drop the game against the Rebels and they go on tour against the two best teams in the competition and suddenly they're going to be chasing their tails um, by the time they get back home. So really important game, obviously, for the Force as well, but I think the Reds, this momentum, this elation of beating the, the, the competition's best team or former best team, whichever way you want to look at that, um, the Reds have too much depth, too much quality, and yeah, I think they will end up tearing the force apart. I think it's safe to say Rodder won't be in this game, right? That's what I was about We're to ask. Does to, Rodder make a, oh, a comeback? Do they just uh, chuck him amazing. on the bench like they did It'll it with Tamani? The... They signed him and put him on the bench there next week. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. Can you possible, imagine? Possible, I don't. I, don't I feel like for his own safety, you wouldn't want he's to put him on the field against the Reds. If he's in there. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be interesting. Oh, I think it's Blythe, man. They were basically blood brothers and he ditched him. Jerk. Um, so, no, I think the Reds beat the Force comfortably. I don't think the Force will stay in touch, even if there's a few points early for both sides. I think the Reds will dominate this game. I think their set piece is dominant. Their forward mm. pack is dominant. The physicality of the Force is, is an asset, but the Reds are just so physical, but also so dynamic in that forward pack. Um I don't see a path to anything but a solid Reds win. This is a, this is another one where I'm I'm probably leaning on the 15 to 20 point margin. Um, oh pretty, wow, that pretty much. comfortably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't think they'll be I'd flat after beating the Brumbies. I think they'll be Brad Thorne will whip them back into focus, and mm. and they're just such a better team than, than he, before. He the the funny thing is he said and instantly on the. You know, after match interview that the the you know the force aren't mugs like they're a serious right. team now and yeah. need to be taken seriously. So I don't think there's any risk that they're going to underestimate them. I think it's just when you do have a win like they did and they do they will be having a couple of beers after the game 
probably be a slow start to the week. It's whether there is that that bit of a bit of a hangover in in that yeah. respect yeah. is still going to be lingering. The force and I the think they'll shake themselves out of it. The game doesn't yeah. start the way they want it to. I think they'll kick into gear pretty quickly. Their attack. I remember two, three years ago when the Reds looked great, but they couldn't score more than twenty points, and we said we kept saying they just need to put together sort of the points because their defense was never a question and now they're showing yeah. they can score points so which makes them unbeatable um on their best day really i think almost pretty much whoever they come up against let's quickly jump to the northern hemisphere don't want to spend too long on the six nations we had wales continuing their grand slam sort of run beating italy by 41 points 48 to 7 um just running in tries at will shocking um england did get the did get the wood over france in the end 23 to 20 they needed a 76 minute um try to itoje to to really seal it up in this one so it was really coming down to the depth um to the very end and again there was a bit of a controversy with the potentially missed knock-on come leading up to that try as well um which could have changed the whole game um and Scotland, up at Murrayfield, they lose a close one, um, similar to how they lost to Wales a few weeks ago, 24-27, to 27, Ireland just take the win there, which knocks a bit of wind out of the Scottish sails um, after having a pretty impressive year up until this point. Um, I think they do get hurt a little bit, not getting a game for sort of three weeks off the back of that um, game being delayed with France. And then coming up, we have Scotland-Italy, We'll see a Scotland win. We have Ireland, England, and Aviva. But at this point, um, it's really a little bit irrelevant in terms of taking home any sort of Playing trophies. Playing Yeah, for that. And then France, Wales, um, probably what we want to see most. Uh, if the French can upset the Welsh and um, take a win off them, then it means that, that that game versus Scotland becomes so much more sort of exciting. So that's really the one we want to we want to focus on. Um, in Paris, that's at 7 a.m. Um, Sunday morning in Australia, um, 9 a.m. New Zealand time, and must be 8 p.m. Um, Saturday night for you over there in London. Yeah, yeah it's 8 p.m. I think huge game. Um, Wales, I mean, who would have thought that they'd be in this position given how they performed last year and the amount of pressure on Wade and Pivak, they've really turned it around. And they've had some things go their way in terms of refereeing decisions and and things like that. But I think, you know, they've shown that they're a quality outfit. They're starting to play a new brand of rugby under Wayne Pivak that's kind of taken them a little bit of time to implement after playing Warren Ball for so long. Uh, I think they're actually a more exciting team to watch these days. Um, a bit more free-flying, throwing the ball around and some good tries in there. So I think France will be really tested at home. I think obviously the hit out versus England would have done them a lot of good, but um, Wales would be riding a lot of momentum coming into this. Um, I think it's going to be a great game because France, the way they're playing now as well, is very dynamic. Um, big forwards, but also forwards like we were talking about with the Roots, they can, they can ball play, they can um, get around the field pretty well. So I think a really good clash obviously the the pick of the games and um i'd be hard pressed to tip a winner here i think it's going to be hard it's a hard one to call um wales you'd like to think that they will get the grand slam but equally france we we kind of touted them as as someone who we thought would win the championship and they need to keep their dream alive by winning this one and then obviously they've got to take on scotland at a later date to actually seal the deal and then it might come down to you know, points difference or something, number of tries. I don't know how they decide it, but, you know, it's it's going to be a great game. So I think that's the one to watch, obviously. Yeah, I want to, I yeah. want to see France still take this. Um, I think we saw Entomac, um come back off the bench in this England game. I want to see the the reunited DuPont-Entomac 9-10 um, combo. I think Jolly Bear's been really good for them. Um, but I think Intermac just has a little bit more of that X factor, um, and I, I like watching the kid play. I'll just I'll just stick with rusted on Wales supporter, um, but yeah, if I was going to tune into a Six Nations game, which I, I don't usually manage to do, this is be the one. This mm. is this is the 
the pinnacle, the sort of finale of the season, I guess. You, there may be more to play for after this week, but this is going to be the highlight for me. Turning quickly to top league and some top league moments that I just wanted to highlight after watching some of the highlights popping up. Um, Stan Sport had the Red Hurricanes and the Panasonic Wild Knights um, playing and Man, Fukuoka, the Japanese winger, like he puts on some just great highlights. Like he just does stuff himself, little chips and chases Chip and down chase. the, yeah, down the line. And you saw him doing it in the World Cup, and you see, and he's like, he's not a big guy, but he just has the pace and he gets around people. So he was great for the Panasonic Wild Knights, helping them um, to victory on a on a very brown field, unfortunately to say. Hadley um, Parks as well. Hadley well. Parks, yep, yeah, got got himself a meat pie there. Um, picking up on a loose ball as well, um, Welsh international, and that was great. And you, you, you're still seeing all these names pop up from years past. I saw Matt McGahn, um, ex-Queensland Reds player, um, was playing sort of a high half and fullback for them a, a few years ago that we thought had maybe a little bit of promise, um, playing for Rico Black Rams, um, got himself a, a try on the weekend as well. So it's amazing you see these names just pop out out, out of nowhere. You and forget, guys that you, you forget all these people aren't playing anymore, and and yet they've been playing for three or four years up in the top league, and it kind of offers opportunities to younger players perhaps that haven't quite made it in Super Rugby, and equally guys that are towards the end of their careers that like to kind of maybe take the money a little bit and play in Japan, experience the culture, and so you got both sides of that coin um, with the mix of good, exciting you know, Japanese players as well. So I think this kind of reiterates to me that we need to get Japan into the, the rugby championship. I just think it The it games would be are exciting, so man. Well. They're, they're like, they're a lot yeah. less like Hartford. They're very open. They're very like orientated towards attacking rugby, high scoring yeah. sort of games. They're very it's a great spectacle. Yeah. The, um, some of the grounds <laughs> make me, oh. make me think of the cricket pitch. The facilities are great. Oh, there's some hard I mean, ground out there. They're nice ground. suburban grounds where you have kind of that intimate, those small intimate venues where mm. they get the crowd looks bigger than it is, obviously, because it's a small ground. But I just think, yeah, some of the in goals just it looked like this one. You know, you've almost been playing on the hardest ground imaginable when it's probably five, ten degrees there, and you just don't know how they do it, really. It, it old, does look old, like a pitch. old sun weathered astroturf directly mm. over concrete yeah <laughs> that's like that's where the investment cool. needs to be i think on some of the infrastructure well the um, thing is they've had the world cup they have some big stadiums but they probably don't want to put yeah. these games in an eighty thousand seat stadium because it yeah, just won't it won't have the same feel to it anyway boys let's just leave it there for another week um you know what it means it was round five of super rugby au which means we're halfway through the season next week which means it's time for way too early wallaby selection so Absolutely stoked to hear what you guys are going to select. I think there's there's a whole lot of competition that we haven't had in the last couple of years um, coming forward, and there's a whole lot of room for some up-and-comers to, to put their name on a spot. So really excited to hear that. You guys are not going to want to miss next week's episode. Make sure you are following us on Running Rugby Podcast at Instagram or Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. And make sure you've subscribed to us wherever you get all your podcasts as well. Uh, Thanks for tuning in again. We'll see you next week. Keep on running. Run.